yeah, with everyone shouting now, it's like we're all at the town meeting and no one's breaking for breath. Everyone's just yelling and everyone's going for it. And I've tried to focus then on just things and also my mates where you go, well, if I'm going to spend the energy worried about another country, another place, why don't I spend that energy possibly just calling up a mate and seeing how he's going. Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Voices of Value, it's Rick Rushton here in my home office and my good friend Peter Kakos in his home office and our very special guest in an undisclosed location, corona-free, sub-zero, depth five con, I think, warnings flashing behind him, but uh, we'll introduce our guest very, uh, very quickly in the next few moments. But Pete, it's fair to say, extraordinary times in all industries, let alone the real estate industry, professional selling industry, the financial industry, all the people who will be listening to this. So we do start off saying that uh, we are, our thoughts are with everybody, specifically those that have you know, lost their jobs and um, what this virus has done has just been uh, incredibly ruthless in such a short period of time. So our thoughts are with everybody. We really want to go with a different spin this morning with our guest. We do indeed, and uh, we've taken social distancing to a whole new level, haven't we, here? We have. Uh, It's incredible the amount of people who have posted this week about doing Zoom calls and so forth like that. It's like um, suddenly people have realised we're in 2020. Um, It's it's actually, it should be more of the norm, but uh, people are just seem to be suddenly just realising that, oh, hey, there's this thing called Zoom. Um, A little bit like FaceTime and and that sort of stuff, but it's, I've got to say, it's, it's, it's good. Not quite as good as sitting next to you, Ricky, but um, but but certainly as good in terms of the the quality and the and the um, communication, the exchange of um, information and so forth. So it's it's terrific we're able to do it, and certainly very respectful of the government's requirements of um, of social distancing. But also really important time to realise that life is primary, business is secondary. Yeah. Uh, I, I strongly believe it is a season, and like any season, it will pass. And it's going to be tough, don't get me wrong, it's, it's going to be really tough. But the most important thing is that you and your families are remaining safe, remaining healthy, um, because these things, these social distancing and lockaways and lockdowns and so forth, they're not there just for the fun of it. Um, it's done with enormous amounts of um, um, angst and trepidation because um, the economy's, you know, is, is, yeah, it's going to be really, really challenging, not for just weeks, it's going to be months and could even potentially be years, but um, but anyway, we we wanted to put a different spin on it today, Rick, didn't we? And that's why we've got um, our special guest with us to uh, maybe give us um, a, a little bit of laughter, a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun, a little bit of comedy, but also a little bit of authenticity and a little bit of realness. Absolutely, and things work out best for those that make the best of how things work out. So this was something we were originally scheduling to do face-to-face in person where we normally record, Pete, in our studio, but when the uh, changes happen so quickly, it was great to sort of get an insight into our next guest's sort of mindset where he's going, well, let's just make this work anyway. How can we do it? So we decided to go zooming around. Dave Thornton, for those who follow comedy across Australasia, would know the value this man brings to the table. But uh, for those who don't know, this is a comedian who can pack out a theatre, who can be on The Project, who can be on, you know, morning TV, breakfast radio, weekend radio, and always find a little bit of levity in what are serious times. So these are serious, challenging times, but it doesn't mean we have to get too serious about it. We can also find a little bit of laughter because if you don't laugh at the moment, you almost cry. We couldn't have thought of anyone better to bring to the microphone, uh, again, with safe social distancing than Dave Thornton. On behalf of all our listeners, Dave Thornton, welcome to Voices of Value. Jeez, if I was feeling down, Rick, I'm just going to play that intro into my ear holes every morning when I wake up just to remember what I've done, what I've contributed to society. Thank you, guys, and thank you for having me. And in uh, the time we have left. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Did you upgrade uh, your Zoom, Rick? You upgrade your Zoom so we can go I, longer than 40 minutes you know, without okay. free service? I'm going I'm to say not helpful, Pete. I'm going, to, I'm going to look for uplifting, positive reinforcement today. I'm, I don't need to be talked down to. I'm already okay. five foot nothing. So I just want that to be on the record. But uh, in all seriousness, Dave, um, 
you and I sort of had the great opportunity to share the microphone with our good friend, Bob Murphy, also yep. Voices of Values, very own Bob Murphy. And if anyone can see the funny side of anything, it's him. But uh, when I saw you <laughs> outshine him, I knew this was someone we wanted to speak to today. So um, what people probably, uh, when, when I think we're talking to a comedian, they're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, his life just goes on because he can find the funny and everything. But you're also a, your own business. You're, you, you're self-employed. You create your own income. So you just as much as everybody who's been told you're irrelevant at the moment with live theatre performances being you know, uh, socially banned and all those sorts of things, you've got some challenges to work from as well. So talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, ideally, that's exactly right. I'm a sole proprietor, uh, according to my accountant. So, you know, you've, you've got to keep the money coming in or you hope that you do. But at this point in time, uh, it's not looking good. And I mean, we're still doing things like this, obviously. Uh, and I have got the good guff from you guys that you love Seinfeld. So I do feel a bit like Bubble Boy at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> sitting here challenging George Costanza about whether it was the Moors or the Moops. We Mitch. understand. But um, it, yeah, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say I was lucky enough with this, but I was doing stand-up and this makes me sound like a very old man. I did it during the GFC. And I remember that year, the tax man didn't have to worry about me at all. It was, yeah. <laughs> I barely had enough money, to be honest, to even get the V-line to Albury to even look at him and say, there's my tax return. And, um, and I realised then, oh, yeah, we're the first ones, you know, uh, we're the first ones out of the ship. So uh, I kind of have been lucky enough that at least in this situation, I knew that we were the first ones out and I just thought I've just got to batten batted down the hatches push through, there's not going to be a lot of money coming through. Um, you know, I've got two kids, you know, if one of them has to go out and get a job, I mean, they're three and one, but still, <laughs> if they have to, they have to. <laughs> well, tough times calls for tough decisions. And I think as a parent, that's the best way to show them resilience. Uh, you know, just go and pack those shells with toilet paper, please. Yeah. Pete, I just keep putting reruns of Oliver on our, <laughs> on the TV. <laughs> And going, see that? The Artful Dodger. It looks fun. It looks fun. How do you enjoy that? <laughs> no, but, but in all serious, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you think you do need some levity in this situation because I've even noticed I can't be on my WhatsApps too much. I can't, I can't be devouring news every minute of every day. I've, I've come to the conclusion that Lee Sales is Australia's mum now. I just flick it on at 7.30. I get the news and I kind of, I just turn it off and it's, trying to get the balance of real information but staying not willfully ignorant but keeping it enough distance because what can you do minute to minute day to day if you know the rules if you know what you got to do try and do it with a smile <laughs> um, i found myself actually i mean i've heard this a lot where they said a day in corona feels like a week otherwise you know it feels like a couple of weeks could be a year because things are changing and your forward projections is constantly like well no i could yeah, no well maybe i'll head down to oh no i can't do that now and you're trying to work it out but this is about a couple of weeks ago and this not only proves that maybe you need a sense of humor but also that sometimes comedians make a rod for their back because things come out of your mouth and you go maybe i shouldn't have dropped that i thought this could have been <laughs> funny when i was at my local woolworths and there were two women about I don't know, 25, 28 years old or so. And they're both, going, one of them's going, we're here now, let's just get the toilet paper, let's just get the toilet paper, we're here now. And the other one said, I don't know, do we have to stock up? He said, I think we do. And I caught the eye of the girl who was uh, listening to the advice of her friend and kind of shared a smile, had a bit of a chuckle. And then I just picked up what I had to pick up and was standing in line for the self-checker. And I just said, oh, how'd you go with the toilet paper? And the girl who didn't see me, who was highly anxious, turned and said, what? And I said, did you get your toilet paper? And she said, do you? And I, this is when the comic brain sometimes comes back to haunt you guys because I said, it's fine. I bought 300 pairs of jeans. So if I crap my pants, I'll be fine. <laughs> I can tell you the oxygen just absolutely disappeared out of the room. And this poor woman, they both went to the self-checkout. I know when I'm not needed at a party, I just get out of there and thought, oh, well, I tried, didn't I? I tried. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great hack right there, Pete, isn't there, that uh, what Dave does is he gets one new service in the morning. That's enough for him to know what's going on. Sort of be in touch but out of reach of this, be a, a, alerted but not alarmed, and then, you know, go on with life as 
as best one can. And I think the other thing, you know, as Dave mentions there, Pete, and you and I have talked about this a lot on previous episodes, when you think of WhatsApp and Instagram and all the social media at the moment, it's really hard to find, you know, any real value in being on it too long. It just does your head in, I, I think. Yes. Yep. Everyone, everyone seems to be an expert on what, what should be done. And I've heard, I've heard about 10 to 20 different um, varieties of explanation around what the virus actually is and what it does, what it clings to, how it affects you and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, anyone gets a little tink, little tickle in the throat. It's like, there it is. It's here. It's here. It's here. So you're right. The thing that the thing that probably I think heightens people's anxieties and levels, um, anxiety levels particularly, is wondering sort of how long this is going to go on for. Um, and I, best thing I saw the other week was it's uh, it's time to wind your clocks forward next week. How about we wind them forward, say four months? You know. So <laughs> I, and I think. Um, I think when you get caught up in how long this could go on for and so forth, and then someone says, oh, apparently school's going to be shut for the year. And it's just like everyone, people seem to be embellishing um, what what could be and doomsday and all this sort of stuff. It's tough enough as it sits here today as opposed to trying to project out six, nine, 12 months as to what it can be. Dave, how are you looking at that, say, from a... Um, from your business and how far are you projecting out or how, how are you getting your mind sort of centred in terms of today versus next week versus next month versus next year? But I'm trying to find out through media because obviously the live performances are gone for the short term and I mean, yeah, I guess when they press the green light back on that, then that's when we'll go. But then I've just been figuring out what other streams of income, how they can come in. Things like voiceovers is still going ahead a uh, bit of media, not a lot, because obviously anything with a live audience is done. And so looking at little things like that, um, also what you can put online, I shot a special last year and so we're just putting the last edits of that together because you figured there's going to be a lot of couch time right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, putting that out there. Um, and then also just continuing to write because with a lot of what I do, I just, I did it for free for so long with stand-up that it's not, foreign for me to be going, oh, well, I'm just working and writing new stuff and doing things and then seeing what comes of it, which I'm quite lucky with. You know, uh, I mean, yes, I would like money and who wouldn't? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's just basically I'm going for it. Just doing half days, like my partner will be in her office for half a day and then I do half a day and so we swap the kids and do whatever. So. Mm, yeah, so you, you, you make do. It's, it's interesting. For some, it's so foreign, um, like, how many people work from home commonly, you know? And it's just like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the norm. And for others, it's like ugh, way out of the comfort zone and, and they, they find it hard to sort of not get distracted, um, you know, not watching the next Netflix series or whatever it may be, um, being at home. So it's like in the real estate world, the news came out um, that, that there's no open for inspections and no auctions and so forth. Well, there's many agents out there that haven't done open for inspections and auctions have been doing one-on-one selling for a long, long time. So to them, it's not foreign. So I think it's, 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 it's really, for me, it's understanding sort of where we sit right now and, 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 and how foreign actually is it, or is it just a, a, a reset that sort of needed to happen or, and is it a pivot of society that really needed to happen? That's a hard-hitting question for a comedian to answer, but we're going to see what uh, Dave can answer on that because he is a voice of value. But it, um, it, Dave, what's your what's your comic take on that? Because when times are tough, we go to the political analysts, we go to the financial markets, and we go to our comic genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously. Let's go to the guy in the corner that is one rug above a, an actual clown. Um, <laughs> I, With no makeup. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even put the effort in for that. I couldn't <laughs> even get dressed up for it. A clown that just rolled out of bed. I've heard of having a green screen behind you, but the purple screen, that's purple working screen. really well. Yeah, you, no, I, I admit, this is my office. Uh, well, I mean, let's peek behind the curtain. I live in Brunswick, like all the other Canadians. And um, <laughs> Rick's already been here. This is this little office thing here. Yes, it's mauve in the background. I'm not sure what psychologists would say of that. There's this mauve. Well, it's actually the highest spiritual colour, isn't it, um, Mauve? Well, you walked right into that, Peter. I knew the answer, so thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you just took me for that that spiritual soul, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Dalai Lama Dave, keep going. Sorry. 
Yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry, all the Dreamcatchers sitting around here. But I just, I, yes, it's, it's extremely confrontational stuff right now because you've got to adjust and no one likes getting out of their comfort zone. I mean, as twee as it sounds, I have been trying to focus the information that's coming into my skull. Uh, even some of the nice news about emissions. And again, I'm probably showing my hand here that I live in Brunswick. But the global emissions have just completely gone, well, not to zilch, but pretty low. Like, if anything, corona will hit 2050 in Paris. Like, it will be, it's amazing. I know there's heaps of people out of work, but if you've seen the footage of how oceans have cleared up and marine life has come back. In China, they're seeing this blue sky for the very first time. Kids don't even know what they're looking at. Like, what's that? It's a blue sky. Yeah, things yeah. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Looking up from their bat soup or whatever the hell they were doing beforehand. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, I mean, so things like that, I think we were at times as well, we talk about we're a community of anxiety, we're a community that feels that we're overrun, that we're over, um, we're over-informed. And I mean, I know that there's an anxiety because of COVID-19, but also a lot of people's lives have then come down a couple of rugs to just, relax to just I know it's hard in this anxious world but physically you're not moving as far you don't have to drive to work anymore you don't have to you know those things are eliminated out of your life you possibly are doing only the simplest things because we're trying to keep our social distance or we are when we're recording this but how bad it'll get but you know to take that breath and simplify things even though you might be worried about your income and whatnot it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing to kind of stop and just take stock of what you've got and what you do have and what's what's of meaning around you. Yeah, mm. and you, you talked earlier about, you know, obviously having a deeper sort of opportunity now to work on your next project, whatever that looks like in terms of your material and things of that nature. So I'm just interested from a, a comics mindset, do you sort of uh, think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a good bit that could fit into a stand-up routine or I'm going to think of a concept that could be a TV show or do I, do you, do you think of something that you can put out? Cause I've, I've had the best of Dave Thornton in the JB $2 bin and I've got to tell you, rule qual, quality comedy gold there, my friend, don't let anyone tell you differently. But I guess what I'm trying to get a, a sense of Dave is do you use this time to go, okay, what's a really big project? Could I take, could I, could I plan an Australasian tour saying we're now Corona free and here's you know a, a tour that you could do on the back of that? Because you are someone who really does set up your own sort of income stream. You don't wait for an agency or a bureau to book you, although you get that with the voiceover and the MC work that I've seen you do and uh, from things of that nature. And you're no stranger to the real estate industry, specifically hosting the sort of REA awards and things of that nature. But do you, do you look at this and go, this is a clean slate now and I can, I can really go gangbusters or you just go, I've got a concept. I'll see where that takes me. Do you have the end in mind or do you just let the idea take you somewhere? I, yeah, mate, it's a push and pull of both. I think when you're working in obviously somewhere where you want to make money, but the creative axis really, um, well, I said the axis is creative. I feel like it's a balance between both, you know, um, you, you're thinking of ideas and you're thinking, right, where does this fit in in the greater scheme of things? Like, does it fit in TV? Yeah, are you writing a script for that? You're doing things like that. But then I think you also got to start it with something that you just go, this is going to be great or funny or whatever you feel, you know, not just with the idea that I'm going to make a gazillion bucks in mine. Uh, so, yeah, I've always found that you've got to find the balance between the two um, because you can't be ignorant enough to think that, you know, we all want to make money. We all, especially with what, what I do, you need profile, you do. Um, just so that it's easier to, to attain work, which profile is a strange turn of phrase, but you guys would have it within your industries. You know, once yeah. you get a name for yourself, once you know what's getting it out there, and that's just through hard work. And, but then that hard work, I think, comes from, isn't it? You're going, I love this. I love doing this. So I think, I always think, and I say this to kids if they want me in for a talk, which they don't usually ask me back because when you've got a comedian around some year 11 and 12s, you drop a couple of F-bombs or whatever and they think, yeah, see you, mate. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get the Olympic rower back in like we did last year. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but, but when you do go into the boys' and youth detention yeah. centres and give the advice, uh, <laughs> how, how does it go? <laughs> First of all, I uh, can have the keys to my car back. I don't know who took yeah. them. But then secondly... <laughs> um, I do just say that. I said, you know, if you do love something, you'll make, you'll go that extra mile because you love it. I realise there's always going to be something that's a pain in the backside with what you do, but because you love it, it justifies you to get over that hump to do those things. My old man would tell you black and blue. I was the laziest kid until I found something that I liked doing. And then it's like, all right, yeah. let's do this. 
you know, and that's that trigger that gets you going. So in a hard time specifically like this, I'm not saying it's not a challenge, but I am saying that I kind of, when you're working off your own bat, a lot of the times, not exactly this heavy, but it's a similar environment. You're just like, right, what have I got to do? Let's get, you know, kick yourself in the butt. Let's get out of bed. Let's turn up to the office. No one's telling you to do this. Let's go. Let's go. Put one foot in front of the other. You know, that sounds pretty drastic, doesn't it? I'm only writing jokes, but that's how I feel. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, (laughs) hey, at the end of the day, laughter is really probably the best medicine at the minute for a lot of people who are. Can I just say? Can I just say that self self discipline is 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 the critical component, isn't it, for when you're working at home? But but comedians do um, work on their own. Like that's just that's what you do, isn't it? Um, I think that's what you do. (laughs) Having not been a comedian for some time now. But yeah. um, I, I look at do you. Are you similar to let's use Jerry Seinfeld, um, that, <laughs> oh, that wow. amazing man? Wow! And the fact that everyone seems to be recounting the uh, the story of um, um, you know commitment and momentum, I should say, of writing a joke every day. Dave, what what do you what do you commit to on a daily basis to keep that momentum sort of flowing? Yeah, Pete. It's funny as. Uh, when you think I'm going to become a comedian, and I think when I was younger, of course, you, I just liked free drinks. You like going to pubs. <laughs> you get a free palmer. You're out. You're peacocking a bit on stage. It was good when you're a single man. It's all these things that you're pretty self-indulgent. But then as I got older, I quite liked what Jerry talks about, that kind of the craft of the joke. And then, and it, it does take discipline. And as I, even before I met my partner, before I had kids, you know, I had to be disciplined to say, right, well, get up like everyone does, you know, go get a coffee, come back, sit, sit at your office. And I'd, I basically found out about four or five hours I can sit at my desk, not necessarily writing jokes, but just doing stuff for the business, for, you know, mm. whatever it might be, trying to organise this, organise that. My favourite thing is sitting down and, yeah, trying to nut out a joke. And I'm not even kidding. You can spend an entire morning. And I would hate to have a GoPro in this office of me pacing around, flicking a footy in my hands, talking to myself like I'm actually insane, just working through the ideas of what this can come out, how can I come out from that angle, do all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you guys... A bit of, like bit of improv and all that sort oh, of stuff. Through. Self-improv, which is an unfortunate turn of phrase now that I've said it oh, out yeah. but... You can see it here, and for your listeners, obviously, they can't see it, but all the post-it notes, there's all these yeah. yellow squares. They're premises that I really enjoy. This is for the new show that's supposed to happen next year. The pink ones are the ones I think are already landing, and so I'm like, yep, they're good. They're like, I reckon they're pretty watertight. You know, they'll be fun. Uh, and then I just try to move them all across to the pink post-it notes so that you fill an hour's worth of and you're obviously obviously a fan of Days of Our Lives. I noticed you had a picture there from one of the actors from Days of Our Lives there. <laughs> Mate, it if, was, you actually, uh, if you actually do look at it, there was a young oh, Dave Thornton when he graduated years. Stop it. <laughs> LA. Now, uh, for, those, for those listening, that's a man with blonde tips, uh, spiky hair, a lot of pimples, what you could possibly call a goatee, and a big hook pirate earring. Hello, ladies. Hello. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. So you couple. You yeah, weren't single. I you, weren't, you, you waited so long to get snapped up. Yeah, it's uh, you won't be single for long. I wouldn't have thought looking at that. But uh, can I also just? Uh, I'm going to see if I can join the dots here. Did you get lots of reports that said words to the effect of young David could do so much better if he didn't distract other people and concentrate on doing his work? <laughs> Look, I. Weirdly enough, Rick, um, God, now that you've attracted my eye to that photo, I think my virginity's grown back. I should not. Look at that. <laughs> Sorry, that's horrendous. Um, I, you know, weirdly, I've said this is a lot with comedians. Some of them are really loose cannons. Don't get me wrong, but I was, I was almost the guy next to the loose cannon because I could I could rip off a couple of what I thought were pithy one-liners yeah. and kind of rile the teacher up. But I knew where the line was. But then I would right. needle the bloke next to me who's really going to get the suspension because I think I had too much possibly self-preservation. Some would, I mean, someone called me a pussy, but I mean, it's yeah. it's how you view it. But really. So at school, I knew when to play up, but I also knew, okay, it's time to work. So I don't know if the teachers would call me a recalcitrant or, you know, some kid that was so disruptive. I could, I could, but I don't think, I think there were plenty worse kids than me. So let me ask you this one then. Did, did you find comedy or did comedy find you as your profession? Jeez, oh, now we're getting into it, aren't we? Um, <laughs> I mean, I always say that I joke in interviews and they say, how would you get into it? I said, I was... There was actually a 
<clears throat> some Buddhist monks who were practicing the art of comedy and I floated down in a wicker basket and they said I was the chosen one, but I don't. <laughs> but, but in reality, I think it's, my father was a huge Marx Brothers fan and uh, he loved Abbott and Costello. He loved the Warner Brothers cartoons, all those things. And they were just ad nauseum on our house and he just loved that. And uh, I think of my old man on weekends, he was always laughing with his mates and it was so much more fun for me. And I think I had a, an intrinsic connection with having more fun than what he was like during the week when he was working and just plotting through life and going, Ugh, this is hell. He was a cleaner. It, he, he was in a band, but it didn't work out. And then he had his own cleaning business, which was quite successful, but you know, he had sciatica as he got older and stuff like that. So it wasn't enjoyable for him. And I think it made an impression on me that the weekends were so much more enjoyable than the weekday. And I do say this, I genuinely believe this. My first gig, I think, my father passed away when I was 19. My first gig was basically his eulogy. Like it was basically I got up, I told some stories and I know now in hindsight, <laughs> for any budding comedians, weddings and funerals, they're really flat tracks. People laugh at anything. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I kind of, it was fun. It wasn't like the next day I went to a comedy club. It was maybe just planted a seed or just maybe like performing. And like I said, he was in a band, I think. Was it in my blood? I don't know. Um, and then I think with him passing away, I was like, oh, you can have a really crap job for the rest of your life. And then gone. And so to have that lesson at a young age, I thought, oh, you know, and it sat there and it wasn't until I was probably 23 or so that I thought I'd give it a shot. And I think I, think I gave it a shot because it looked simple. You know, <laughs> it's you with a mic, you're talking crap. Oh, great, let's do this. And then, then found out it's really hard, guys. <laughs> it's really, really funny you say that about where that came from, say, uh, a eulogy at your dad's funeral, which would have been an incredibly sad time, but there, there was some good that sort of came out of that, that mm. event. And, and I was reading something yesterday about all the businesses that were born out of the, um, the crisis of, of um, the global crisis in 2008. And the Instagram came out of that. And there were, there were several others that sort of came out of that. It gets you, gets you thinking of... of there's got to be something behind this time. You can't help but feel it is, it is, it is someone has hit a reset button. It is time for the world to have a good look at themselves, but it's also a good time for individuals to have a look at themselves. And what you just said then, Dave, is, is so good. I mean, you know, you could spend your whole life doing something you don't love, you're not passionate about, but um, there's a lot of things that are born out of times like this and, and, and not by choice. And unfortunately, you know, people don't have the choice. That's just this is where you need to go. This is not a choice now. This is this is the direction you absolutely need to go. So it's interesting. What I want to know is they say that 21 days to form a habit, then consolidate it's another 28 days. There's a lot of habits that are that are going to be um, formed uh, over the next sort of four to five to six weeks. It may even be longer. Who knows? What are what are the things that you think you'll come out to say? To say we're all let out of lockdown in, in 60 days or whatever, but what are the things now that you're undertaking on a day-to-day basis that you think habits are forming within your life and what you do and how you're viewing things and, and, and when it's all said and done, um, what do you think is going to change in, in Dave Thornton's life? I mean, unfortunately, first, Pete, I think um, my guitar will still sit in the corner collecting dust. I have <laughs> yeah, every right. intention that I'm just going to learn classical gas by the end of this, but it's yep. just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I've, I, for myself and my partner, we, we've got obviously two young kids, as I mentioned earlier. So everything has been a bit of a, all right, let's see, can we fit this into this day? Can we fit this into this day? And I've noticed things are fitting in a little easier to give each other time to exercise, to give each other time, you know, away from the kids. And I, I've found being with the kids now, I'm actually weirdly less stressed because I would always, you know, at night time, I've got to go to a gig at night time. Sometimes you've got to go do this, got to go do that. And I've noticed the last couple of weeks, I've just been around my kids. And, you know, before we did this, I was, <laughs> I literally did a couple of puzzles with them. Um, and then we hid under the blanket for about 20 minutes with my two daughters just playing and just being idiots and mucking around. And we were playing the upside down world. So I was just picking them up and walking around the house while they were upside down and they're all giggling. And I was genuinely enjoying it because, but this is, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday and, I'd be kind of looking at my watch going, I've got to do this, I've got to get out, I've got to do that. So I've just been enjoying. It's weird that you need the discipline of <laughs> to be a father, but you do need discipline. You need discipline to not be looking at your phone, to not be stressed about work while you're with the kids. 
yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm. Great distinction, and I think it's always the the belief we've got because Pete's the father of two beautiful children, and we were talking about setting this up, uh, testing the Zoom system last night, funnily enough, and, you know, at the same time <laughs> I could hear the kids in the bath in the background, then, you know, they get out of the bath and, you know, they're on the camera, run through the house. It was really quite funny. And I'm at the other end of the scale where, you know, our eldest will be 28 in the next few months and, you know, our youngest just turned 15. And it's really funny that I always had this belief that quality time with kids comes from quantity time. And now we've got this quantity time available to us and as simple as just playing hide and seek, lying under the bed and giggling for 21 minutes. That's something that they'll remember long after a thing called coronavirus is just a blip in the radar. So I think that that, that ability to not escape but to you know use this time wisely to reconnect with the things that are important to us is a real... And as Pete started off this whole sort of interview with, really saying that you know business isn't you know primary, life is primary and business funds life. So we might just have to go low on the funding for a little bit, but go really deep into reconnecting with people. And I think it's a, it's a perfect opportunity to just check in with people and say, hey, how are you tracking? And you know, I've had people say to me, you know, how, how brutal can we be with this? How, how, how authentic can we be with these discussions? I just I don't know any other way to play it. You, you Dave, are somebody I get the feeling, you know, you don't do comedy for the money. Um, although you still take the money, clearly, but um, you know, you know, I'll do take it for you two bucks, Rick. I will yeah, take okay. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that, but but it seems to me that it's something that serves your soul and feeds you uh, better than sort of any number can sort of produce. And now this ability to mix that, get creative, have your projects sorted out to a degree, and spend quality time with the kids who three and one. I got to tell you, I can remember it was like yesterday when our when our two boys were three and one. They're about to be nearly 30 and, you know, uh, in high, late 20s. So it goes like that, as we've all said earlier. So this is not a bad reset, Pete, I don't think, to be brutally honest. I know it's challenging. It's not to make light of anyone who's lost their job. And I'm, I'm, trust me, I can get down, dark and dirty with the best of them when I see the cues that I saw on the TV. But better it be cues to Centrelink than cues to try and get into an ICU unit, I think. So I understand why we're doing it. I've got all that. But my belief is... Um, even during World War Two, you know, my, my grandmother used to tell me that it was a it was still a time where you go looking for comedy. And I think Dave, your point where Dad was so so entrenched with the Marx Brothers, so entrenched with you know Abbott Costello and who's on first, and just some of the uh, I, I, even as you were saying that, my mind's going to the night at the opera when when you know they're on the boat and they're going yeah. room service set up a bigger room it's like and then and then you know harpo's honking his horn and, and make another half dozen hard-boiled eggs or softball eggs or whatever <laughs> like you could just watch those today and get an absolute laugh about it and maybe just escape for 30 seconds around what are the other numbers but the life hacks i'm hearing pete are dave stays in touch by getting the morning news and that's enough for him he doesn't need to be minute by minute updated with what's going yeah. on he wants to be informed but not alarmed. I, I'm hearing that. Uh, he's using this time as best he can to reconnect with his, his family. He's less stressed. It's a bit of a reset scenario. He is seeing the blue skies or, in this case, the mauve skies. And when the mauve skies come to China, we'll know that there's – that's a bit like a new pope, isn't it? You know, white puff of smoke. We've got yeah, a, a yeah. pope. I think when we see mauve skies, we're going to know it's a new dawn. But I, I'm just <laughs> loving hearing someone who's not in the industry that we've ever interviewed before. I mean, we've had – close to 60 interviews, I think, Pete. We've, we've interviewed gold medal Olympians. We've interviewed you know, people that are doing it in so many different areas, but I don't think we've ever spoken to a comedian before, although we'd like to think you and I, we, we, we're closet comedians, aren't we? Well, we are. How is Nepal anyway? So I, I Look, just um, that's... <laughs> I, I, I just I, I said to you last night because I had a different top on, unlike yourself, that seems to be wearing the same top. Uh, by the way, uh, just just so you know, Pete, Rexona is not an island off the Whit Sundays. But look, um, uh, my view with all of this is is that uh, well, they say get up and shower every day when you're working from home. I'm like, really? Is it that yeah. necessary? Like, yeah. <laughs> can well, you smell me from there? You know what, you're just helping social distancing, mate. You're helping <laughs> yeah, yeah, society yeah, yeah, at large. Yeah. <laughs> Might be taking it to the absolute nth of the uh, intent of it. but mm. uh, Is 1.5 metres enough? <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. But, yeah, you know, it's interesting when, you know, I was thinking about this just, just like literally 10 minutes before we come online, but Dave is someone who, you know, I've met him in this studio where he is right now. I've uh, met him at a, we're at a cafe in Fitzroy, I think, and, mate, I always left there with just every, every, every volley backwards and forwards was just almost like we're covering a lot of serious stuff. But we didn't do it in a serious way. Like we're talking about mm. business and how you self-promote and what media streams do you use and all those sorts of things. And it's really interesting to think about where we are using social media to brand ourselves. 
they were things that were born out of the, as we all said earlier, the 2008 GFC and, you know, Airbnb was born out of that and, you know, WhatsApp and Instagram and these were all created by people who were, who were probably in high-paying jobs. Maybe I don't know. They were probably in sort of, uh, you know, standard everyday garden variety jobs. Yep. I made redundant and thought, well, you know what, now that I'm here, why don't I just chase a passion and see where this takes me? So I've got no doubts when we get through what the politicians call the other side, we're going to come out to the other side with a lot of opportunity if we're set up for it. So, uh, Dave, in, in, in a way of sort of summarising our time because you've been very generous with it, um, you know, your view with where you think the reset button's going to be in the comedy industry because, you know, it was I forget who the first comedian was who went with the MH17 or whatever jokes, but uh, sure. you know, that was probably a little bit too soon. When do you think it's going to be a time where, you know, COVID-19 is going to make its way into mainstream comedy? Mate, always that question of, you know, when's it too soon? When is it? I mean, it all depends on the direction of the joke. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing Jimmy Carr. I was in Montreal 2000 and, oh, 2010, possibly 2009. And if you think 9-11, like it struck along. I mean, even now you mentioned 9-11 and people go, oh, yeah, okay. And I remember yeah. him on stage and he said that. And this is, I mean, it's Montreal, it's Canada, but Canada's geographically quite close, yeah. obviously, to America. And then uh, I believe it's next door, I believe. And, um, yeah. and, you know, he said, I saw a fireman say on the news, I'll never forget 9-11. And you could feel the room just go, <clears throat> And it was so tense. And he said, well, I should hope not because it's your phone number. And then because <laughs> of 911 and everyone oh, just yeah. exploded and it snapped. And I was like, wow, that's good it's on him. In a good way or a bad way? No, they all, they all laughed and they all, oh. it was really funny. And then they all kind of, because it built the tension because that's obviously what all jokes are, it's building tension and releasing it. And then he, and I was like, it's great. It was ballsy, but also... It doesn't hurt me. Like that one was, yes, the subject matter is obviously 9-11. That's pretty grim. But the punchline didn't hurt anyone. The punchline was just this funny little. So when people go, oh, can you make jokes? They're like, yeah, if you find the right one, of course you can. Like you can yeah. make jokes right now. It just depends where it's directed at. You know, whether. Yeah. Just, just say you had to do undirected at Rick. What, what, would, it, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, geez, just one. God. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> narrow it to one. Where do we start, mate? I feel, I feel like, you know, all my jokes have just, like, they're trying to get through a door all at once. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing there is I, I'm at least creating a lot of leverage for this man to come out the other side of this with, he could do a whole comedy it's a wealth, festival. Yeah. It's a comedy festival. On, on the Rick Rushton show. I, I think we should be doing that. It should be a whole series. <laughs> yeah. um, Someone called it a cesspool, but yeah, a, a wealth, yeah, that's right. A wealth, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. A wealth, that's what I'm sort of thinking. I mean, some people come out with the funny, with really funny stuff just anyway, because my neighbour, I was just talking to him about it, and he was like, oh, the pasta and rice is gone. He's gone, I can't believe covid nineteen's just beaten everyone's food allergies. Like, no one was allergic to gluten for that two weeks. <laughs> everyone was like, no, it was just a party trick. I just wanted to be interesting. I just grabbed the rice. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> I was like, that's a great joke. <laughs> so, you just never know. Um, but even, I mean, throughout this situation, I know – you were just recapping Rick about, you know, my intake of information. And I think Pete touched a really good point earlier in the pod when you were, you were saying, you know, with everyone shouting now, it's like we're all at the town meeting and no one's breaking for breath. Everyone's just yelling and everyone's going for it. And I've tried to focus then on just things. And also my mates where you go, well, if I'm going to spend the energy worried about another country, another place, why don't I spend that energy possibly just calling up a mate and seeing how he's going. And yeah, you know, some really nice stories. One of my mates, his business, um, he's got a party hire business, uh, you know, marquees and, and furniture and whatnot. And obviously that's fallen off a cliff, you know, and the poor bloke's not great. But then he was, I spoke to him yesterday and he's saying, well, I've got all these vans. They're not getting used. Either I, I can hire them out possibly, I can get them moving. If not, maybe I can, you know, just do volunteer work with them to move food around to get to people now that don't have a lot because of all the, you know, the supermarket problems and things like that. And, we were just talking about the, you know, the thing of just moving, just going and just moving, rather than falling in a heat and just going, it's not working, nothing's happening, just moving and, and getting things done. And yeah. like, I got off the phone to him and I was like, this bloke's in a, you know, a far more stressful situation than I am. And I was just up and about, just hearing that he was, you know, he was getting himself and you know, just getting out of bed and putting one foot in front of the other. 
Yeah, and I think that's the that's the real message there, isn't it? It's sort of, you know, the best way to get through this is to make sure everyone else in your social sphere and family and friends and networks are getting through it too. And by serving others, you, you sort of serve yourself to a degree. And, you know, it's not about being selfish. It's about being self-interested enough to go, I'm going to get up. Um, if, if you do work from home, and I've been working from home for four years, so I kind of, I don't have the issue with working from home too much because I get into the discipline, as people are saying, if you're not showering. Admittedly, I don't wear the same sort of Boston, UK sort of uh, hoodie <laughs> that I've seen now twice in Zoom in the last, you know, 12 hours. That's all I'm going to say there, Dave. But, um, you know, it, it is good to sort of just get, get your mind focused on, before I get too immersed in what I'm doing, let's just check in with those that I care about the most and, and see how they're doing. And then by serving others, we tend to sort of serve ourselves getting through it. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. And I, like my Oma, my Dutch grandmother, she lived through the war. My grandfather was a prisoner of war and she had British soldiers. She literally hid British soldiers in her roof, which <laughs> I don't know if they're under attack or she was having an affair, but either way, she was <laughs> fighting a good fight. And... <laughs> But <laughs> right next to the bottles of sherry all lined up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did some research and noticed there was no bombing in your area. Yeah, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> seemed, like, seemed like a laugh. But um, and she always she said something to my mum, actually, because she passed away when I was 12, but she, she said something to my mum where she said, you know, just grumpy people are kind of grumpy people no matter what the situation is. You know, people who are, they really are. She said, it's, it, like old grumpy people were just young grumpy people who got old. It's not, yeah. it's that thing of, she, she was always in a, well, in a reasonably good mood. And then as yeah. I got older and realised she'd been through two wars. She'd lived it, they'd migrated over here, learning new language. Like so many, so many uh, family stories from Australia where you've usually got somewhere in the family, they've, shipped, they've been moved across to the other side of the world. And, you know, she made a choice to be happy where I'm sure the stuff she saw and I'm sure the things she went through, you could yeah. just be bitter for the rest of your life. Yeah, perspective is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I can remember going through when my nan was alive and I used to speak to her quite regularly because she was just a laugh. She was such a – and, you know, she, she um, at 90 was learning German, which is really an amazing thing to do at 90 to learn a language. But even more so when you understand that her husband was killed during World War II by a German. So that was a that was a massive lesson she taught me. But I always remember saying something to her about the time when you know, Gay and I had bought the business that I'd been working in for a while and I said, you were doing it tough then, this, that, and all that. So she goes, oh, well, darling, when your grandfather was your age, he was actually fighting in the war. And I go, wow, just give me a whack with a stiff uppercut. That, that's magnificent. Just Let's just yeah. go, you know, as tough as it is, bloody hell, let's put it into perspective. This is this is sort of challenging times our, our you know, sort of grandparents lived through and that was their yeah. new norm too. And I think the good news is, unlike them, when we get through the other side, we'll have technology and we'll have opportunity. And I reckon they just had opportunity. I don't know that they had a lot of technology from that stage of point to get going. So just on that note, it's funny you bring up like the wars and so forth because I often think back and I had a great-grandfather that fought for England in World War One, Australia, World War Two, and other... Um, members of um, great uncles and so forth that fought in wars and you do you do think back and think well you know I don't know what it felt like then or the great depression or whatever it is but you, you can't help but feel that there's that that a little bit of that sentiment for 2020 um, you know obviously not not as bad as that um, but in other ways it, it probably is as bad as that you know certainly financially but it, it's it could be as bad but you know wars are a whole different different ball game but it's it, it's funny and quite humbling to think that you know this is um this is very real what we're in right now and 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 still i think there's people that uh don't appreciate the, the seriousness of of the virus and what it actually does and how quickly it can be transmitted and and, and the mutation and, and everything like that with it so it's very real what we're in um and it's it's time for us to do our bit uh, you know, to, to get through it and, and, and protect the health and safety of others as well. But, um, but it's also at the same time, it's great to hear from, from guys like Dave who, who like anyone, is, 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 has a business now that's it's basically come to a screeching halt. Um, and he himself, you know, um, it's just quite, it's quite amazing to think of, you know, trying to you do humour for a living and how do you put humour to something that's, that is so serious and so forth. But at the end of the day is we're a resilient bunch humans aren't we and we um and you got to find you got to find something to laugh at because misery does love company you know as as we commonly say and if you don't surround yourself with people who are going to bring a smile to your face who 
Let's ride this thing through together. Let's not do it in isolation. Whilst we're isolated in some ways in our houses, we're not isolated by way of how we're connected. Because imagine those days when you're isolated and you didn't have the internet. Imagine that. I mean, that just goes, wow, I just couldn't. I couldn't imagine not being able to pick up a phone or, or see someone face to face. I mean, you know, my little boy turns five today and he was on the um, kitchen table opening his presents with his grandparents on FaceTime watching him and chatting. He was none the wiser. That's just That's a natural nice. thing for him. And I've got to sit there and go, wow, it's pretty easy to feel miserable, but it's also, it's, uh, it's, it's very easy if you allow yourself to feel incredibly grateful of, um, of opportunities and so forth and what, you know, I hope and I'm sure we will slingshot out of this. Yeah, it, it's interesting you said that because I, with what I do, it's extremely, it's both extremes. It can be extremely introverted and extremely extroverted because if I'm writing, I literally on a morning won't, if I don't try, I won't see anyone. I'll literally leave my family, sit here, do this, be in my own little messed up world trying to think of whatever. But then, and then you're on stage and that's extremely extroverted. Um, yep. But in this process that I've learned, because I, I do joke with mates where I said, when they say, oh, now I'm working from home and I'm doing all this, I go, mate, what do you, you want to know? Oh, I've, I've got, I'm a three-star general in working from home now. <laughs> I have done for 15 years. But, and I've learned through the discipline of it. And I actually, weirdly enough, my partner, who she's starting up her own stuff, and I said to her, I said, it can get, you do have to have the discipline of knowing when to walk away from the desk, when to communicate with people, I mean, I intentionally book in lunches and catch-ups and, you know, with like the great Rick Rushton because you're almost going, well, if I don't have that lunch, I won't interact with people. I won't. I'll just be at my desk at my heart. And if mm. I don't maybe go to go and get that coffee because Nikki always says to me, why don't you make coffee at home? I'm like, yeah, but I'll have a $4 outlay or sometimes here in Brunswick, whatever it is, $16.80 or whatever they're doing for filtered. <laughs> <laughs> and when your bike gets stolen, uh, that makes it uh, $1,616. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, if your bike actually had gears, then your overheads would be more. It's wow. terrible. But, um, but, you know, I do those things intentionally because I'm like, I've got to, got to interact with people. Now, now that your interaction has been obviously curbed, I do do that. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm going to call me, mate, at this point in time. I'm going to check in on my mate at this time. So I do find my days now, I'll be working at the office, but I only do it for so long. And then I'm like, okay, when I'm riding home, driving home, doing whatever, I'm going to call my mate to see what he's doing, see how he's going. He says, feel like I've interacted with people because I've been doing this, yeah, for a better part of a decade and a half. And if you don't do those things, you start to go a little, well, you definitely go haywire. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Pete, we know so many people who light up a room the minute they come in and we know some that light them up the minute they leave. So we love the interaction <laughs> with people who are, you know, very, very vibey because we're, we're big energy transfer kind of guys. It would be very easy for us to go, oh, we're in lockdown. Let's just uh, stop the podcast for a while. But we've we've done this commitment now for the better part of, uh, what is it, 18, 19 months, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah, and we've... We've, we've decided, no, no, this would be the easiest time to turn it up, you know, turn in on it and just say, look, we'll take a hiatus. But we also think it's the most important time to be communicating, connecting with people. And it's very important to bring someone's perspective that's a little bit different to the norm. And clearly, I'm not saying you're, you're abnormal, Dave. Um, uh, one, but I, uh, one rung above a clown is what I heard. Yeah, one rung <laughs> Uh, without without the makeup, but um, but 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 I think as a comedian, I reckon this situation is giving us a whole feast of information. I saw a, a, I saw a post the other day on social media. Donald Trump sort of quoted saying, "Yeah, people are dying uh, from this that have never died before." <laughs> I, I kind of go, yeah. After all those dots, I get. I, I think what he was trying to say is people are dying for something they've never died from before, yeah. but he's saying people are dying that have never died before. That's right well, up there with George Bush's um, yeah. fool me once and yeah, yeah, yeah. Fool, me, don't <laughs> fool me again. Yeah. And, yeah. and I always used to love, Pete, I used to love Dave Letterman when he had the, you know, the late show with Dave Letterman having great moments in presidential speeches and it would be like, you know, it cut to Kennedy saying, you know, we have, um, you know, uh, some uh, ask why and others say why not or, you know, uh, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Then it cuts to Bush. He goes, I like to fish. <laughs> right after <laughs> right after Hurricane Katrina. You see him there in the presidential thing. I like to fish. Yeah. Well, Dave, you know, I like to fish. It's like I'm thinking, God, politicians give us so much good content, don't they? Just so much good content. But I'm assuming, Dave, as we wrap this up, 
you know, Pete and I often love we we could we could spend a whole podcast just tipping the one percent of what we know about Seinfeld. But is there a is there a favourite joke you have, or is there one that you is like your signature dish, if you will, your special sauce of the Dave Thornton stand up world? Is there something that you could leave our listeners with that will give them a chuckle long after they've listened and or watched this? Are we able to put this up on our YouTube channel, Pete? I'm, I'm deferring um, to our technical guru mm, here. Yeah, um, I'll refer that to Dom. Yes, no, we will be. Yeah. Okay, so there will be those that can actually get a, a, a Dave Thornton purple haze, not Prince style, maybe mauve haze, kind of more like princess style. But um, yeah, but I must say, that, I'm almost feeling like I'm looking at the Dalai Lama. But you know, just I'm calm. I'm very, I, I, what I'm hearing in my head is wind chimes and flowing pebble and water. Mm. That's all I'm hearing. I don't know why. Oh, okay. it's, uh, but, uh, well, but Dave, Namaste, my brothers. Uh, yeah. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just show us a quick downward dog and then, and then we'll be done? <laughs> the Dave Lama has really... Uh, yeah. Um, is, there, is there something you can leave our, our, our listening and or viewing audience if they're watching us on, on YouTube? <laughs> well, genuinely, this, this is an old bit of mine, but it's all true, um, for better or worse. And this is... Um, this is easy when I, do, I tell it these at corporates and things like that because obviously you can't tell two reader stories, but this is all true. Remember the first time I was working, think about it now, it's probably would have been over 10 years ago, at least 12 years ago. And I got my first ever gig working in radio and I was working in Nova FM, Melbourne breakfast over the summer with Dylan Lewis, who's a wonderful dude. He used to host recovery on the ABC and a very left of centre guy, but a lovely human. I was also working with Sophie Monk and, um, <laughs> and because... <laughs> Because I was a single man, my ego thought, oh, geez, I'm, I'm doing all right. I reckon I can. And I reckon Dylan was winding me up too. And there was, I don't think, it, well, I'm 100% sure I was never in the game. And, uh, but we were live on air. And I remember Dylan said, uh, the world is covered in leather, but your feet can be. The, uh, the, the world isn't covered in leather, but your feet can be. And I'm looking at him, I, I don't know what that means. I still probably don't know what that means. And he said, that's a quote from Tibet. Now we're all still silent because I don't know how to follow that up and we're live on air and then Sophie who's sitting across from us says what's a Tibet (laughs) this is when I realized I can never be with a woman like that because the stupid things that come out of my mouth I said man what hope does Tibet have even a monk doesn't know where it is That's and, good. Uh, that's a, that, that, how quick guys, is that? <laughs> I call see what we call that in the comedy world, Pete. Just in case you're wondering, we call that the double puncher. That's the jab jab. <laughs> yeah. it's sort of yeah, it. lead him in, lead him in, jab jab, hook, bang, done. Which Love is it. Yeah. So did you did you um, uh, need to audition for the for the Bachelorette when Soph was on, or did you? <laughs> You already voted off immediately. <laughs> I think from that work, Pete, they were like that. Man, they were already practicing social distancing at that point in time. They were ahead of the curve. They're like, no, Thornton, you need to stay away, mate. Maybe, maybe give it one to one and a half kilometres or so. That'd be good. Mm. Dave, if someone <laughs> wanted to connect with you that's been listening and or watching today through our podcast, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Obviously, I'm on all the socials at Dave underscore Thorno. Um, for any foreigners that listen to your podcast, that's what we do here in Australia. If there's a syllable we don't need, we just drop it right off. So Dave <laughs> underscore Thorno, that's on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and my Facebook page, which is strangely Dave Thornton's uh, Facebook page. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, we just want to spend, send a special shout out, Pete, don't we, to one of our good friends of this podcast who will be listening from all the way from Warrington in the UK, Paul McGee, the sumo guy who effectively has... Um, yeah, come on our program more than once, a best-selling author uh, about to publish his uh, 12th book, I think it is, and um, we know that he has uh, tested positive for this particular virus and um, we, uh, we are so uh, much sending our love to you, uh, Paul, and uh, I know Pete and I uh, responded pretty much in real, pretty much the same time that, uh, you know, when, when you hear that it's someone close to you that you know and love like we do with you, we, we are sending you lots of love. But the thing I know about Paul is he'll be loving this exchange with Dave Thornton because if there's one thing that really unites Paul, myself and Peter, 
in our own minds, we are closet comics, but we'd never have the balls, I don't think, to stand up with an open mic night and have a crack at it. But uh, we think we go okay. But uh, Actually, so just you, on that, Dave, have you got anything, um, any any jokes around English people that we can... Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we always normally give him a whack. So, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, he's given me a few this week in terms of Liverpool and the facts that, that, that um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the EPL season, but... Um, uh, of you know, course. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're pretty yeah. much the same as Wigan now. Everyone's the same as Wigan. Yeah, which, which, by the way, he barracks for Wigan Athletic, which would be a bit like barracking for Port Melbourne if you barracked actually for Melbourne in the AFL. It would be ridiculous that you barrack for Port Melbourne. But he's, he's got that sort of, do you know what, Dave? Yeah, he's a real lovely, funny guy. But that, he'd be saying, give me something. So what can you, what can you give our, uh, our, our friend, the sumo guy? Oh, jeez, here we go. We're on the spot. I mean, the, the only thing is I always wind up, because Englishmen always love that we're some province or some colonials that are always caught in the arse end of the world and I'm like sure I get it we're always the same as you guys driving the same side of the road speak the same language we've basically got the same flag which is the Union Jack but we've got the Southern Cross in the corner so it kind of makes us look like England with a five-star review so (laughs) (laughs) I'd say I'd say that's probably an 11 out of 10 to McGee hang on we're we're using it aren't we Pete uh, we, we've got to get oh, on to him before we actually Writing it down as we speak. <laughs> I've actually jotted it down in red, people, in red, because that's when you know it really matters when it's in red pen. But uh, yeah. let's, not, let's not tell you, let, let, let him just hear that in real yeah. time when he, when he hears it uh, uh, when it goes live. <laughs> I think that would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Peter, I don't know about you, but it was a laugh I really needed, to be brutally honest. It's been a very serious well, really. 24 <clears throat> hours for all of us. It's a fast-moving beast. It's very fluid. We do also want to send out a special shout out to anyone who's doing it tough out there we we don't make light of it um we're certainly aware of the challenges and uh and we know it's sometimes like your right arm's just been lopped off and and we get that sense too but we did want to keep our commitment to keep you informed to have a chat to see if there's any life hacks there i think we've learned so many things from our engagement with dave today and uh the fact that he's just so willingly come on he would do it for two dollars we don't even have that to give him to be honest although if we could get it to you i don't even know how we get it to you right at the minute but uh dave we want to we want to send it to you. We're going to send it to you in a credit for uh, hand sanitizer and tissue paper going <laughs> forward, and you can cash oh. that in about October in 2020 because uh, that'll be worth about two dollars by then. They'll be in all those. They'll be in those bins where the quality works of some of the best comedians, not mentioning you, of course, are in at the JB Hi-Fi's <laughs> and things of that nature. But Pete, I'll leave you to wrap up because it's been uh, a real gift for me. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's really trying and challenging circumstances that you come onto the show, Dave. And, uh, and as Rick said, it is our commitment to, um, <clears throat> to bring the real, the real life stories and the real inspiration um, to others around in times of need and none, none more so than right now. So thanks for coming on. It's such, such a really, really challenging time. It, particularly the last 24 hours has been incredibly challenging for many. Um, <clears throat> all I ask is that you come back on at the end of the year um, let's see how we've slingshotted out of this. Let's get some Dave Thornton, you know, some, some more humour and let's just bring so much more love to, to, to people now. But what you've provided us today is, uh, is a good laugh. Mate. You're a great man and, um, and thanks so much for, for all that you've shared for, for us and our listeners. It, um, it means the world to us. So thank you. No, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Rick. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where my name sits in the litany of guests that you've had. I saw it's Olympians, <laughs> like <laughs> captains of industry, and then just professional moron. But in positive uh, messaging to you, Dave, you'll be in your own title, under your own topic, under your own headline. No one else will be there. It'll just be you. That, that, that's pretty much how it is. But can I say to you, in all seriousness, you're probably all those things you just don't realise that you go under the guise of a comedian, which can often be seen as someone who's a bit of a loose cannon, a bit of a goose. You're a very sharp mind. You're a very good giver. You are somebody who's uh, come on at very short notice because we thought it was important to get somebody on that could actually speak this way when the, uh, not the lockdown so much, but when the travel restrictions were in play, you were the one who sort of said, let's just keep doing it. I'm keen to do it. I want to do it. And uh, for Pete and I, that does mean the world to us because we, uh, we don't pay any of our guests, uh, purely because we just can't afford to pay any of our guests. But the fact <laughs> you're doing it willingly, you don't do it for money, you're just doing it because you love to, to make people laugh is something that the world needs at the moment. So on behalf of all of our listeners, uh, please do comment, like, share. We'll get the feedback back to Dave, uh, whether it's five star, no stars, or whether you say Dave who. We get that. Um, when you say to you, I thought Dave, 
use have more hair. We'll, we'll accept that too. We get that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, make sure that you do uh, share this because this is the time to be thinking about how we can uplift others with a, a bit of a laugh. And we do want to have uh, our minds taken off these challenging times. So on behalf of all us at Voices of Value, uh, Dave Thornton, thank you. You're a superstar. Pete, uh, I might see you in DEFCON 5 next week. I don't know who we're interviewing, but uh, we'll be in a different level of, uh, uh, of this coronavirus to a degree. But I'm sure we'll be staying committed to keeping people uh, updated and informed. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, voicesofvaluepodcast.com. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.